For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings so we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 137 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Halls Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. Oh, what the fuck? Oh, like that! Mm. This is, is that who I see st- sitting across from me tonight? That Directly handsome across from you. Fucking face-to-face Blue Harvest? Will Witten in person? What did I do? Old days. Mm, to deserve this. This is, yeah, man. This is the first just you and I in person we've done since you moved to Birmingham. Mm-hmm. Last two times you came to come in, it was for a reaction show, so we had a bunch of other people. Right. This is truly Blue Harvest old school. Truly. Oh, like that! Uh, so you know what we do here. We talk about some stuff. It's real late here tonight, guys. It's We're just now starting to record, and it's almost one in the morning, so things could get silly. We'll see where this crazy train takes us. Um, got a little news to talk about. Not a whole lot, but the main thing we're going to do this week. Emails. Emails and voice messages. Voice we want to hear from you guys. We haven't heard from you in a couple of weeks. and Listener lot of stu- episode. Yeah. A lot of stuff's happened, so we're going to do that. <clears throat> in the meantime, how you been, buddy? I've been good. Just been hanging in there, doing my thing. Excellent. What about you? <clears throat> you know, work. Little video gaming here. Video gaming. I can squeeze some of that in. PUBG I'm squeezing in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've um, mainly been squeezing in PUBG. Played a little Monster Hunter. Picked up That looks kick ass. It's pretty kick ass. Picked up um Kingdom Come Deliverance yesterday. Have really? you heard about this? No, I haven't heard anything about it. It is a open world first person fan <clears throat> uh medieval RPG. So think Skyrim. Right. No magic. Straight up historically medieval okay i will say this i played maybe two and a half three hours last night only got in one fight and watched a lot of cut scenes and a lot of dialogue really well done really well voice acted they're interesting just saying it is if, if you're looking to get this game and this goes out to any of the listeners like carve out a chunk of time because at least at the beginning it's pretty front-loaded with a lot of exposition that was good 
Um, looking forward to checking it out a little more. I like the concept. Like, I love magic and shit in video games, monsters and dragons, but it's also neat to just kind of play a, a medieval role-playing game. I'm just going to be fighting dudes. About the clash of empires and kings? Yeah, it's... Um, Knights. Retainers. In Bohemia? Bohemia. Yeah. During the Dark Ages, basically. Hmm. Anyway, uh, before we get into this week's news, I'm going to give Will a little bit, if you guys don't mind... We'll give Will a little business in person. Live business? Oh, this is the best business <clears throat> It's been is. a little while. Oh. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Blue Harvest Pod. You can email us at blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com. We have a web store. You can check out shirts and mugs and all kinds of cool shit. Fantastic Pop- things there. Fantastical, amazing things tpublic.com slash user slash blue harvest podcast and we are so proud to be part of the best damn ass podcast network in the galaxy the making star wars podcast network where we get to hang out digitally with the titans of star wars podcasting titans such as now this is podcasting steel wars rebel girl podcast 2187 the sith list Rogue One, Idiot's Array, Tarkin's Top Shelf, Cantina Cast, First Order Transmissions, and that damn-ass cargo hold. Damn-ass one. Whew. I, I, I was tripping up. I was so nervous to give you the business no, in person. No, great. That, like, that was probably, that's top ten best businesses. No, I've done much better businesses. I, I, I had a string of bad businesses where I gave out the wrong URL <laughs> oh, for no. our for the T Public store. Oh, really? Like when we first started that thing up. Yeah. Yeah, I fucked that up <laughs> for a good little while. And then one day I was like, no, I, I give this good bu- business. I give this business every week. I'm trying to go and look at our store. And the URL wouldn't work. And now it, it's because it was the one I kept giving out on the show, right? Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Bad business. Bad business. <laughs> it's like it's like for two weeks we've been getting it on and you just now found out I ain't been pulling out. Oh, no. That's nothing like that. I hope it's nothing like that. I don't, I'd say that was some pretty bad business is what I'm saying. That's awful business. Or your beard starts itching. I'm like, oh, yeah, about those crabs. Oh, gross. <laughs> Why you got to take it there? You know, it's late night business. It's late. That's late night business. <clears throat> um, fuck my ass what are we going to talk about this week <laughs> talk about late night business oh so speaking of the podcast network there is uh, a very interesting episode of the Steel War show that I think our listeners might be interested in if they haven't already checked it out it's pretty fascinating Um, it's with Anthony Bresnikan the master reporter and scoop catcher for Entertainment Weekly, and um, <clears throat> I won't give it away because I want you guys to go listen to the episode because you know I'll fuck it up paraphrasing it. But he has some interesting information about old Alden Ehrenreich pertaining to that rumor. Remember when the whole director shake shakeup happened? But it pertains to that whole rumor about him needing an acting coach on set, right? And uh, Bresnikin had some pretty inf- interesting information about that stuff I haven't heard, but makes a lot of sense. So if that story or the whole 
solo thing interests you or you like Anthony Bresnikan's articles, you should go check out that episode of Steel Wars. There's other really great stuff in it, but uh, to me that was one little gem in there that I thought was uh, pretty interesting and pertains to what's going to be the discussion about Star Wars for probably the next year and a half until episode nine comes out, basically. That's true. So, um, speaking of Solo... Uh, we got some toy reveals this week. You oh. know how, you know how I feel about them toy reveals. I know how reveals. much you like that Steve Cobra's favorite segment. Oh, Steve Cobra's favorite segment. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> when Steve used to text me about the show and be like, "Show is really good this week," but man, that toy discussion. That toy I, discussion. Y'all talk about some toys. Doesn't hit home with me. <laughs> We'd be like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give Steve." I like to, in case our listeners haven't noticed. I like to give some of my friends and family a little playful shit every now and then. Much like last week with Goose. There's two things, by the way, last week if you heard me fucking bitching about not getting video game invites from my brother-in-law. There's two possible scenarios with what the fallout from that show. <laughs> little update. All week I've been expecting the call from Goose Payne. Where he's like, oh man, you did me dirty. You know you just, I, I don't, uh, you either busy, I always think you're working. Which... He wouldn't be wrong in assuming. I do work quite a lot from home. Uh, or he's heard it and he's so pissed that he doesn't want to call me. <laughs> no, he's not pissed. At and you. I ain't gonna make. I I ain't gonna call a pissed off goose. You ever called a pissed off goose? You ever had goose pissed off? At I've you? been around goose pissed off. It's very rare that I've had goose pissed off at me. It's rare. Maybe once or twice. I've done something that pissed off Goose just a little bit. Not a oh, full pissed off Goose. I've never had that happen. I've seen that happen. And that is <laughs> that shit is scary. <laughs> that shit is real scary. Um, anyway, toys. Um, so, you know, we're, we're I think it's leading into New York Toy Fair. What's cool about it this year is it looks like, unlike previous years, you know, previous years with Toy Fair, they would never have, like, Episode 7, Episode 8, or Rogue One stuff out because they were trying to keep that stuff so under wraps because it was, you know, instead of only being three months away from the movie, it's ten months away from the movie. So they would have none of that stuff on display. Well, it looks like we're going to be getting look more looks at solo merchandise this year at Toy Fair since it's so close to the release of the movie. Okay. And ahead of Toy Fair... They're basically releasing pictures and sort of descriptions um, of some of the, you know, the merch that we're going to be getting. Right. <clears throat> the one that seems to have caught everybody's attention, especially today. What are those things called? Jesse. Yeah. What are those animatronic animals called? For real, for real friends? They're called For Real Friends. Now, okay. let me give you a quick story. This year, when we went to Mississippi for Christmas, my goddaughter, Taylor, and my cousin, Brooke, and her husband, and her sister, Peyton, right. were all there, right? For Christmas year, they, like, switch off. <clears throat> and Taylor, for Christmas, got a For Real Friend. That was this. I assume this is a, a furry animal friend. Yes. It's, Though there's a pun there? Yes. Exactly. Fur, fur real, real friend. friends. And I was fascinated by this thing, right? Animatronic, you say? It is animatronic. 
it it was a like a white tiger so boom you know i'm in the tigers and it's about this big how big would you say that it's about two feet yeah about two feet long it's animatronic three feet and like you could pet it and you know how like when you pet a cat it sort of arches its back right this thing would do that oh wow and it would purr and it would talk to you and i was like like i'm a grown-ass man (laughs) staring death in the face (laughs) i don't need to go buy this thing but this thing has my attention <laughs> and like i'm fucking with my goddaughter and being like oh i'm stealing that that's going home with me yeah and she's like no it is not i've wanted one of these things forever apparently they're pretty pricey oh wow for you know a kid's toy well they announced today that they're bringing out a for real friends chewbacca what yes where he will it's he's going to be a little animatronic chewbacca about this tall right <clears throat> and people have been freaking out about him online because he looks a little silly. There's no doubt about that. I mean, I would um, assume an animatronic Chewbacca would. But it's funny because, you know, I saw that thing and I was like, why do I need a giant white tiger? Because, like, if I really wanted that thing, which I did, I thought it was cool. Like, as a kid, I'd have been all about it, probably. I'd been that weird kid in, like, third grade that's like, y'all want to see my for real friend? And they'd be like, all right, dude. Nah. I would, it would have been later than third grade. I'd have been that kid in like ninth grade that probably would have had one of those. You would have made up a story about how you had a real cat and died, and you put its I put uh, its soul into this stuffed tiger. You scare kids and shit. <laughs> Sleepovers. You'd say uh, that for like midnight. We ain't when it got late. You want to um, show me my cat that died? Oh, you want to hear? Okay, I told Jesse this story the other day. How old were you when you went on your first sleepover as a kid? Oh. I can't remember, honestly, but it was young. Yeah, I think... For Eight, me, nine, ten, maybe? Yeah, I can't remember the age. I know it was either third or fourth grade. Yeah. There's this kid in my class named Josh. I cannot remember his last name. But, like, I was tight with this kid for, like, two, the two years he went to the same school as me. Yeah. And he, I went over to his house for my first sleepover, and... We stayed up late, like after we were supposed to go to sleep, as you do at a sleepover. And he started telling me about how his mom was a a, a werewolf and his dad was a warlock. Oh, and and going into deep. And I flipped out. My parents had to come get me, dog. Oh my god! I flipped out and are like, you serious? Went to his parents and I was like, "Will you call my parents and come tell them to pick me up?" And they were like, "Why?" And I didn't want to tell them. Yeah. Because I believed him. You thought the and werewolf I like, would I eat you. Then. I can't tell him, tell them that I know he's a goddamn werewolf. Oh, my God. And a warlock. I can't tell these people this. <laughs> I know how that ends. Right? And my, Not well for me. And my dad came to pick me up, right? Smoking okay. a Doral 100 and the right. Ford Escort, right? With the with the vest? To, no, he didn't rock the vest back then. He used to rock a... Um, it's about this sort of around the time of Desert Storm, right? <laughs> okay. And the reason I say that is because he had like a a tan camo jacket. Okay. That he would wear. Okay. Right. Uh, he came to get me. It's like two o'clock in the morning, so he's pissed, right? Not, but he was cool about it. <laughs> right. And we're driving home, and he goes, "All right, like, what happened? Why did you want to come home?" And I was like, "Oh God." Josh told me something <laughs> about his parents that really freaked me out. Oh. And my dad <laughs> pulled over to the side of the road, oh, and he's like, "What did he tell you?" And I was like, <laughs> "I don't want to tell you." And Ugh. you know what's if if you have a son that tells you this, right? 
you're going to some dark shit, son, right? Your mind is going some dark places, right? You're like, you have to tell me. Like. Right. Tell me immediately. Do the police need to get involved? Is this a Neverland Ranch situation? Right. What the fuck is going but on? And what I go, happened? and like, I was so nervous. I didn't want to. And I go, all right, if I tell you, you promise you won't tell them that I know? And he was like, absolutely. And I go, his mom is a werewolf. <laughs> And his dad is a warlock. His dad cast the spell on his mom to turn her into a werewolf. And my dad, like, looked at me like, I'm raising a fucking idiot. (laughs) He's like, the fuck is wrong with you? He's looking at me like, did he just make this up to hide the truth from me? I drove over here for this. And then, motherfucker snitched on me. What did he say? Couple, because this was when they had the McDonald's, right? Right. A couple days later, I'm hanging out in McDonald's, eating maybe a cheeseburger and my fucking Super Mario Three Happy Meal, right? Right. And I see Josh and his parents come in, and I'm like, oh shit, right? This was during the summer, by the way. Didn't get to see Josh at school. This ain't internet times. <laughs> like we didn't hang. Like I wasn't on AIM, being like, yo, sorry about the freak out. Like, <laughs> hope you got some silver bullets in case your mom loses her damn mind, right? Right. Can I get you a crucifix? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do I need to do? <laughs> Light a candle at mass, <laughs> right? They come into my, they come into um, McDonald's, right? Yeah. And my dad sees them, and he goes up to the counter, and I'm I'm you know far away. I can't hear what's going on. They start laughing. My dad starts <laughs> laughing like they're having a good old time. Oh and I was no! Like, oh shit! And. They come over. By the way, at, at this point, I knew my dad had convinced me that they weren't actually fucking creatures of the night, right? And they come over, and his mom goes Rawr, at me, and I'm like, "Ah, yeah, real funny. Thanks for snitching on me, Dad. Oh. You damn ass snitch." Yeah, <laughs> convinced me that his mom was a werewolf and his dad was a warlock. That's awful. And then his parents made fun of you for it? Yeah. Yeah, and he didn't even get in trouble. He was laughing. Oh, I was I was steaming. Son, I was steaming. That's fucked up. You know who never went over to that kid's house for another sleepover? I would imagine you. No, that was after that I was like, nah man. I got burned bad on this whole sleepover deal. I wouldn't either. It was it was a couple of years before I learned how to trust again. <laughs> I, I broke my arm at a sleepover. Buddy of mine. I, I never broke my... I've never broken a bone. I saw a kid break his arm in a sleepover. Oh, wow. At the Mc, fucking McDonald's playground. <laughs> Fifth grade, Mike McQuarrie. Wow. Coming down that fucking plastic slide head first. Braced himself with his wrist. Snap! Oh! <laughs> brutal. Brutal. <laughs> that sounds awful. It was brutal. I was probably five years old. I guess this was one of my first memories of a sleepover. I was five-ish. And uh, we had gone up in his treehouse. And uh, I had to tell my mom that I fell out, but I jumped. Like, I, uh. it was time to get down. We were going to get down. And I was like, it's not that far down. <laughs> it's not that far down. I'll jump. I can jump down. And I jumped down, and it was that far down for like a five or six-year-old kid, I guess. And like, boom, I hit the ground, and I kind of landed on my arm. Like you didn't, I tried to land on my feet, but I couldn't take the whole impact and I landed on my arm, which was across my stomach. 
and it snapped both those two bones, I think the tibia and the fibia, in my forearm. I spent Ooh. six months in a cast, had it set six months in a cast. I remember the drive to the hospital. And uh, I got out of the cast, and six months later, I, and like three or four weeks after I got out of the cast, I broke it again. Ooh. Roller skating. I was went to a roller skating party, and I fell backwards and caught myself on both my elbows and broke in the exact same place. Dang, buddy. You're like Mr. Glass. Well, they put it... I, the, the theory was that the bone didn't get set correctly the first time, and then when it did the second time. Supposedly, when, a, when bones break and heal back, they heal back stronger. Ah. But... This is the fur real chewy. Perhaps that happened the second time, or the first time. He's catching some heat, that poor fur real chewy. That's what he looks like. I don't think that looks that bad. That's not that bad. Right? That's not that bad. It's Chewbacca. Get the fuck out It's like over. a cartoon. No, I don't. I mean, a lot of. It's not like people are losing their mind. They're having fun with Does it. Does it look like, like a Chewbacca? I mean, yeah. It's like a little. The mustache, man. He's got a killer he's mustache, got a serious mustache, mustache going on there. Mustache. Look, will I add that to my collection? Probably so. But <laughs> once it goes on clearance. Do you want to pet a Chewbacca? Absolutely. See, this is the thing. Would you get a hug from Chewbacca if you could? Yeah. Totally. Fuck yeah. Um, sometimes I get a little enamored. And like it's it's easy to get enamored with something that's coming out in Star Wars, right? They got it seems like every sort of movie cycle they have this one thing that I, like I get laser focused on with The Force Awakens it was the Sphero BB8. You know the last time I powered up that poor Sphero BB8? When? Who knows? He's probably not even charged. He's just sitting there on the... Like, it, it, I play with those, like something like that. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Now You also have a menagerie here that could mess it up. Oh, man, it's funny seeing Walter play with that thing. They're pretty sturdy. Are they? <clears throat> yeah. And well, then, like, you know, with uh, Rogue One, it was the remote control AT, AT. I never ended up getting that one, but I was pretty obsessed with it for a little while. I thought it was pretty neat. But how really? How often would I be remote controlling? It's a cool an thing when you know somebody comes over. You're like, hey, you want to see my remote controlled <laughs> ATSC? Hey, uh, you want to check this out? So they some um, guys have a train room, you know. Oh, I remember that shit. I remember when I was a kid. I knew a I knew an old man that had a train. My room. dad was into trains. There was a couple that didn't have children, and he had a train room. It was basically a garage. It was just this huge, like, city. Trainscape. Yep. Mini- miniaturized. Mm-hmm. Some dudes had a battlefield. They would paint little soldiers and stuff. Oh, for real? Dang. Oh. That's pretty cool. Old man hobbies. <clears throat> so, um, you know, they, they announced some other products and stuff. Basically showed off at least a good part of the first if not the full first wave of like solo black series. And, you know, it's pretty much what you would expect. You're getting a Han Solo, you're getting a Lando, you're getting a Kira, and you're getting a range trooper. That's sort of the, um, I guess, one of the new... It seems like they've been introducing at least one new trooper type per movie now. We even we got like three cool in it. Rogue One. Yeah. Um, and this guy, I'll show you a picture of him. Uh, he looks kind of like, to be honest, it kind of looks like they took all these new troopers and sort of kit bashed them together. 
Like his helmet looks kind of like a shore trooper meets a tank trooper. Um, <clears throat> That's cool. But uh, and he's got like a big furry jacket on, probably for that cold climate planet we saw in the the trailer with the um, the train, which by the way is called the Conveyx. The Conveyx. I believe that's what it's called. That's cool. Anthony Breslin can wrote, you know, just a little nugget of wisdom for your Star Wars trivia brain out there. Like, what's the Star uh, Blue Harvest After Dark? I read somewhere that Han Solo was in production before Lucasfilm was sold to Disney. Yes, that is true. Um, it's it's one of those things that I'll be interested to hear a little more about. Like we talked about last week. Um, George Lucas was basically on set for Ron Howard's first day and actually not necessarily directed a scene, but gave some direction or some notes on a scene and, you know, was like, well, this is how I would do it. So that's got to be awesome. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, it seems like the solo spinoff and the new trilogy are basically what they had sort of in production not heavily, but in the works when they sold to Disney. Basically being like, like you guys not only would get this um, sequel trilogy, you're also going to get a Han Solo movie that we're having fucking Lawrence Kasdan, fucking the dude that knows how to write Han Solo, and his son, Larry, they're they're writing the script. And that's why when J.J. took over the writing of Seven, they were able to just get Lawrence Kasdan to come over and help. Because he was already there, sort of working on solo, you know. Um. <clears throat> okay, here we go. We got some. So there's Han in his black series form. He's got like the full leather jacket, right? Looks like he's wearing some sweet denim. Fucking Looks cool. Ball and Lando. Oh yeah. Kira, with a little different look than what we saw her in in the trailer. I think you know. They pretty much established that her and Han have a uh, connection going back a few years or for a, a longer span of time. So we'll probably see her looking several different ways. There's the new Hasbro Millennium Falcon. Oh, sweet. You know, the one thing, like I, I think I might actually get that. I think that's maybe the best Falcon they've done since the Disney buyout. Uh, the Falcon for The Force Awakens, I wasn't a huge fan of it had like the nerf integration and stuff this one's got lights in it and like my one complaint about the hasbro vehicles as a whole is like they're too clean looking like take a look at that a-wing down there on that bottom shelf yeah it looks like that shit came right off the factory white yeah it doesn't look like it does in the movies yeah right um but that falcon since it's all new and shiny and shit or nice and shiny in the movie like it's fine for it to look like that so you know, might pick that one up. Um, but yeah, it was pretty much the big solo news. We're getting, you know, little drips and drabs of information. Apparently, uh, they had a D23 event in Japan. And the audience there got to see a Han Solo behind the scenes thing. Kind of like we've gotten for the other movies. I don't know if that means we'll be getting it soon or if we'll ever get it. But there's one out. there's one out there. For solo is there a convention coming up soon a major one no um, e3s no no i mean e3 wouldn't really be the place 
to do something like that. That's I'm just spitballing. Um, Disney Expo. You know what? Honestly, I don't know that there is a a big. I'm not all like completely up to date on cons and stuff, but con season sort of starts in May when Solo will be out, hmm. and I don't know that there's a big one in May with there not being a celebration this year. Right. Um, the video will just be on the DVD. Yeah, it could. That could very be well be what it is. It's it's you know they showed him a fucking Blu-ray extra. But yeah, that's that's pretty much it for news this week. You know, we covered so much last week that we didn't have as much to cover this week, which means we can uh, we can do something we haven't done in a couple weeks now, and we can hear from you guys. Yep. And there's only one way to do that. Kia D. Kia D. Cockhead. The only Jedi master who can crash box. Kia D. Cockhead. Running around slaying bitches with his cockhead. He's a big Surian stud. He loves to split chicks with his pud. Kia D. Cockhead. To stroke his cone and suck on his balls. Cockhead, what you gonna do when he comes on you now? He's a Jedi Council stooge, but he'll be pumping spooge tomorrow. Cockhead, Blue Herb, Cockhead, Hansberger, Cockhead, Will Witt, Cockhead, Goose Paint, Cockhead, G Money, Cockhead, King Tom, Cockhead, Joe, Cockhead, KD, Cockhead, Cockhead. I got fucking lost in the music there for a second. I went off in another dimension. All right, we're here with the uh, Blue Harvest email and voicemail cocktail hour. Will's having a cocktail. Late night cocktail hour. I'm having a diet soda pop. All right, so let's take care. Oh, man. Guys, guys, guys. I'm so sorry it's taken this long. Here we go. First up, we're going to do our buddy King Tom. Now, King Tom sent me a message about this voicemail and he said it might be a pretty off the wall theory so let's hear what his majesty has hey awesome will it's king tom like you guys i am pumped for solo um i'm digging all of the little looks the the, the trailers and the special articles in ew that we've gotten about it i am very interested in seeing more about these new characters and places in the star wars galaxy and unlike the last non-saga film, Rogue One, I think that Solo is going to have a mostly happy, upbeat ending. There are new characters that we don't know what happens to them after the movie, but I would like to think that they don't all die, unlike Rogue One, where most, pretty much all the new characters die. Uh, and these, these articles have got me thinking about what could happen to these characters based on what we know of them, and I had an idea that just almost knocked me over when I, when I thought of it about one of the characters... L337, the droid that does the little salute with Lando. In the article that the Brez wrote, he says that she's a more self-aware droid than we've seen before, and that she's actually built herself up out of parts of other droids. And I was wondering, well, what do you do with a character like that? And then I thought about the Millennium Falcon, 
and all of the special modifications that Han has made. And it's been mentioned in a few places, and I believe this is this is all canon, that the Falcon Central computer is made up, or maybe it's the hyperspace computer, but I think it might be the central computer, is made up of different droid brains that don't always talk to each other or get along. What if something happens in Solo to L337 where for some somehow her brain, her consciousness becomes part of the Falcon? What if she becomes one of those droid brains? Basically. Now I realize, okay, we've had 40 years with just it being random droids running the Falcon, and now we're giving a personality to one. But what if it is one that has had some history with Lando? And what if because it's a more self-aware droid than others, if that is what has made up the Falcon? I just think that that would be a cool way of... I don't want to say writing out or writing off the character, but of evolving the character and of giving some more backstory to the Falcon. You know, it's going to be, we've said it before, the Falcon is going to be its own character, not only in Solo, but in the rest of the Star Wars saga. But this can only add to the emotional weight that we and the characters in the movie feel about the Falcon. That's just my idea. It probably won't happen, but if it does, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be fucking thrilled. Uh, What do you guys think about that? Anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, Thanks for the great podcast. I'll talk to you guys later. I think that's a pretty neat idea. I think it's an interesting concept. Yeah. Um, I doubt it'll that that'll be what happens for some reason. Like, yeah, but But it's an interesting concept. That would be a way of see the thing about these prequel to the original trilogy movies, like with Rogue One tying so heavily into a new hope like you've basically got like two options as far as the main characters go they die or you write them off in a way where they're like well i did my job for the rebellion i'm just gonna go off and fuck around somewhere else right and that doesn't make them really that like what's the purpose of doing that so like i can see why in rogue one it was a better option to kill off most of them right with Han Solo, you don't have that, like, obviously Han, Chewie, Lando, they can all survive. But it, you also raise the question of, of, like, if some of these other characters don't die off, right? Then why don't they ever show back up again in Han's life? Specifically the ones that seem like they have, like, a real important connection to Han, like Kira and Beckett, right? I think Beckett's going to die. Woody Harrelson's going to be eating the booty like groceries in the great beyond at the end of that movie. <laughs> you always got to take it there. Kira might just get fed up with Han's shit, and she's like, peace, dude. I'm done with all this. Or something bad happens on a mission. Or something bad happens on a mission. Now, L337, however, that would be a pretty neat way to sort of write her out of future stories, but still. it's all for, I mean, this assumption is from one line of dialogue where he says... See if you can get where he sends C three PO back back into the ship and says, "See if you can get the what hyperdrive to talk to the yeah nav yeah. computer or some shit something like that. to that effect." And what I would think would be kind of funny, like let's say let's work with King Tom's hypothetical here. Let's say they make that the the story is the hyperdrive always giving shit to Han because it's pissed off that he got the Falcon from Lando. 
you know? It doesn't want to go because... It's like, fuck this. I'm a Lando lady, droid. I'm all about Lando, not this one. That seems overcomplicated. It does. It does, and it seems like one of those things like... Well, it's definitely a cool idea. How much fiddling are we going to be cool with them doing to the original trilogy? Like, there's definitely a way to do a Han Solo prequel to the original trilogy movie and not fuck with what's already been set right in the original trilogy you know um same thing i think rogue one one of its benefits is i feel like it tells an interesting story leading into a new hope that doesn't fuck with any of our perceptions of a new hope i'm not gonna lie it's still like okay they got around it but like the blowing up of Alderaan was always thought to be the initial test of the Death Star, right? And it's right, but in Rogue One, they were like, "Well, let's let's do two reactor firings instead of a four reactor firing, so it won't blow the planet up. It'll just fuck it up real bad." Yeah, like as we've seen in the comics, like Jeddah is damn near in two pieces after Rogue One, right? Right, and no one could live there. So, like. That to know, me, that kind of skirts yeah. the edge of fucking with a new hope a little bit, as an example. But they found a way around it. Like I don't need some super complicated, or you know, good, like just give me a simple way so it doesn't bug me. But don't don't fuck with that stuff too much. Is the main thing I would say. Honestly, I think they should just leave L three three seven alive like maybe because they've sort of established that this droid doesn't belong to lando right it's out on its own it's its own person like it does what it wants to do right that that would be it in you know just just saying that it makes me think it would be in contrast to its character to be you know independent and autonomous and right but what (laughs) king tom is saying is like Almost like what? What? What if something happens to the droid body, but they can save the droid brain and integrate it into the Falcon? Right, right, right. Right, but like, if L at the end of this movie, L three three seven is like, you guys are too crazy for me. I'm going off on my own. Then that necessarily doesn't contradict anything. That doesn't raise the question of like, well, why isn't that droid with Lando on Cloud City in Empire? Because this droid does what it wants to. It doesn't have an owner. And then, like, that opens up. It can go whatever it wants and do what it wants. Yeah, like, how balling would it be if L337... at any point. You know, like a real beat-up old version of, like, weathered version of L337 shows up. Episode 9 or further down in the timeline, you know? That's yeah. the cool thing about droids and Wookiees and shit like that. You can keep those characters going as long as you want. Because not established how some how long something like that lasts. I thought Wookiees live several hundred years. They do, but they haven't been like the maximum. I don't, as far as I know, they haven't established like the maximum age a Wookiee can get to is eight hundred years old or something. Right. Right. So technically, we could have Chewie as a character as long as they want to continue the story down the timeline. Yeah. Then they could just say, "Well, fuck it." Wookiees live to be twelve hundred years old. They live longer than even a Yoda species, right? Right, which is 900 years. All right. Next up, we've got an email from our buddy Matthew. 
Hey, Halls and Will. It's my first time writing into the podcast, but I've been listening for a long time. I've write, written into quite a few Star Wars podcasts for the first time this week. The Last Jedi inspired me to interact with my favorite podcasts and discuss Star Wars. I love The Last Jedi, and it actually made me appreciate The Force Awakens. Also, Canto Bite cleared up how the First Order got so strong in the galaxy. On to my main point of discussion. I do not want to see an Obi-Wan film set between Episode 3 and 4. I don't think it would make an interesting movie with Obi-Wan moping around on Tatooine, beating up sand people and pirates. I like the Obi-Wan diaries from the comics, but again, I don't think those would make a good movie. A story I think would work is Obi-Wan and Anakin live-action TV show set between Episode 1 and 2. Also really like the Obi-Wan and Anakin comic series set during this time period. You can have them traveling from planet to planet guarding the peace and expand on Obi-Wan's training of Anakin. You could also bring back Sam Jackson, Ian McDermott, and have Puppet Yoda if you like. My ultimate question is what do you guys want to see in an Obi-Wan film? Please convince me this is something I need. Sorry this went long, and keep up the awesome podcasting, Matt. Well, thanks for writing in, buddy. Sorry it took us a second to get to your email, but I hope we hear from you uh, a little more often. It's nice to hear from you. With the Obi-Wan movie, personally, the main appeal of it to me is having you and McGregor come back to play Obi-Wan. Absolutely. That's what I was going to say. So, like... As of right now, the only reason I'm sold on that movie is because it's the potential to see him play Obi-Wan again. As far as a story for the Obi-Wan, I'm with him. Like, I don't know that an existential crisis Obi-Wan movie where he's like depressed on Tatooine, watching over Luke, getting in scuffles with Sand People tribes or whoever, you know, that might be coming close to fucking with the Lars family homestead. Moisture Farmers, what's up? Um, I uh, see. I think it would be rightly done. It would be cool. See, that's the thing. Because like, there's, um, you know, he says about Moss Eisley, you'll never find a more wretched hive of scum right. and villainy. It'd be cool to have some sort of foiling of a heist or, or shutting down of slave trading or you know, like I mean, see, this is the thing. A mild I'm, policing action. What I'm saying is, from just like what, for one, I don't really. This is another one of those things. Dirty Harry Obi Wan, Death right. Wish Obi Wan. Right. I I I can see where the appeal is really from. Death Wish, but you know but I mean. this is the thing. Like with the Obi Wan movie, I feel like you could come. Like we were saying, I was saying earlier, like you could come a little too close with fucking with the original trilogy. I don't. By the way, it's not just the original trilogy. I don't want them fucking with established Star Wars. Like. Don't go and fuck with the prequels and drop some new bit of knowledge. You know what I'm saying? Like, in a movie, put something that changes the prequels. Like, fucks with what was established. That's what I mean. Like, so... So you think it's established that Obi-Wan did nothing? No, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying, like, you could come close to doing... Like, if you had him... Like, I don't know that I want Obi-Wan to leave Tatooine. Like, I don't know that Obi-Wan would leave if he's there to watch over Luke. Now, that's not to say... I'm also not a, a movie writer. They get people way better at coming up with Star Wars ideas than me to come up with this stuff. So if they have a cool story that explains that in a way that I don't feel like fucks with the original story too much, then I could see it. 
you know? I feel like it would be interesting to throw Jabba the Hutt in there. A mutually beneficial arrangement between Obi-Wan Kenobi and Jabba the Hutt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's definitely a lot of opportunities you have to do something cool with an Obi-Wan movie. I just think, you know, for one, if he's just hanging out on Tatooine, like, what do you, who do you put up to to be a villain against Obi-Wan? You know? Who can Obi-Wan not handle that's not Force-sensitive? I know? think, but I think that's part of, that's the movie. It's not watching, you know, him have a large villain. It's watching him foil many small villains. That in a be. way where his superiority is obvious or, you know, slightly diplomatic in attempt. Right. But through the ferocity well, and barbarity of his enemy, he has to dispatch with several smaller enemy, smaller I, foe. I can see... Inferior. I can see that being appealing. And, you know, I could also see that making sense because we already know, like, no matter who they throw against him, he survives. Right. Right. But I also think you need to have somebody that can, at least for a time, go toe-to-toe with Obi-Wan to make it interesting. And I don't even mean necessarily in, in, in solely of, of, you know, like a martial arts or fighting way. A con- I mean, that's why bounty hunters exist, is it not? Yeah, I mean, it could be a bounty hunter. It's just... Cad Bane. Before, like, I'm hyped on the idea of an Obi-Wan movie. But like I said, it's mainly because it would be you and coming back as Obi-Wan. You want me to be full-on hyped? Then I need to hear what you're doing with this movie. Like, I need some sort of ideas of what the story's going to be. Because then I'll I'll know, like, if it's going to be for me. If they're like, look, we're doing an art house Star Wars movie. Depressed Obi-Wan on Tatooine. No No. fight scenes. You know, not that they would do this, but I'm just saying that's a way they could take it that I would be like, I don't think that's for me. You're playing sad-ass music and it's widescreen black and white shots of the Obi-Wan Kenobi hut in the desert Mm -hmm. watching tumbleweeds roll and like a vulture. Not that they would ever do that. But that would be like, that would be a description of the Obi-Wan movie where I'd be like, whew, this ain't for me. (laughs) Guys, this one is not for me. Dude, I'm going to go see it, but I'm going to tell you right now, it's probably going to be a hard pass. I don't know anyone that would love it. You know, different strokes. All right. Logan, Logan, Obi-Wan Kenobi. I mean, honestly, that would be a little closer to a a sort of tone and setup that I I could see something being cool. You know, I don't think you go so bleak. I don't think you need to go as bleak as Logan. Because, like, look, I'm not saying Logan's a bad movie, but it's bleak. Let's be honest here. That's a bleak movie. And I don't think you need to do that with Star Wars in general, or, or, and much less Obi-Wan. But, you know, as with everything, if it's done right, it could be really cool. I know that's kind of a cop-out to say. Because, obviously, anything, if it's done right, can be cool. You could show him being kind to desert kids. You know, being the crazy old right. nice wizard. Right. Alright. What's cool is that he never changed his clothes. He's still dressed like a Jedi. Yeah, but you know what? So is Owen Lars, kind of. That's true. Right? Now that I think of it. Why is he dressed Why like... Why does Owen Lars dress like a Jedi? Mm-hmm. It honestly makes me wonder 
And I've often thought about this to myself, and I, it's one of those things where I'm like, that's crazy. You're fucking crazy. I think I know where it comes Stop from. Stop thinking about Star Wars. But I kind of wonder if originally on Tatooine, that was just supposed to be Tatooine wear. Even it's Obi-Wan. Like a, a tunic or a gi. Or not even, like, I think Obi-Wan and Lars are dressed the way they are because that's just kind of how he intended to be, like, how dudes on Tatooine dress sometimes, right? right? And then later, as as he got closer to the prequels, he was like, no, Obi-Wan was dressed like a Jedi. Je- that's what Jedi used to dress like, you know? Yeah. Because, like, what other examples of Jedi do we see? Yoda, he's wearing, like, he, he ain't wearing a, he's wearing, like, his comfy clothes. Basically. He's wearing a robe. I mean, they're all robes, basically. Tunics. Yeah. Yeah, but his is a little different. Like, it's very samurai-like. Yeah. Mon- monkish. It could also have been that. I don't know. But I, I've often wondered that if that was like just because Owen Lars is dressed like a motherfucking Jedi and he ain't no Jedi. If there was a member of the Lars family that was a Jedi, Kleeg Lars. Kleeg Lars. You heard it here first. All right. So uh, next up, we're going to do a voicemail from our buddy Josh. Josh. Uh, we're going to do a voicemail from our buddy Josh, if I can get it working. Still having trouble getting it working. Late n- Blue Harvest After Dark. Man in a bathtub. Mm-hmm. What is up? There we go. Haas and Will. Boy, howdy. Yeah, I was going to talk about, um, you know, some some of the Han Solo stuff, but Game of Thrones directors have been announced uh, to be helming new Star Wars films. At least that's what uh, what I've heard is, 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 you know, come out recently in the news, uh, just today, in fact. And uh, that has me super pumped. Um, now, a buddy of mine thinks that uh, that he's it's the opposite. He thinks that oh, I'm worried that Star Wars is is gonna not be special anymore. It used to be a big event when a new Star Wars film came out, and I'm of the impression that my dream has always been to have a new Star Wars movie come out every year. I mean, maybe not every year, but every two years. Just never run out of Star Wars. That's my dream. Now, while I do see his point, I think that uh, Game of Thrones has proven itself. I think that show, uh, one of my favorite shows, actually. Um, the, 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 the creators, and I'm just sketching on their names, uh, Benahoff something or other, um, it, boy, could you imagine what they could do with a movie budget? I mean, they're already, they're, their shows are already outrageous, uh, you know, and they've got these big movie budgets, but imagine them doing something from a moment in Star Wars, because it sounds like they're going to do, like, particular areas of Star Wars mythology, but, like, what if Ryan Johnson you know, did his thing. Um, his trilogy was like all about like force users and the, the history of the force and the prime Jedi. And then what if like the game of Thrones dudes went into maybe some, uh, old Republic stuff or, um, you know, the, 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 the very, that like the, the future of star Wars, like the, all the way past, like even where we're at with the sequel trilogy. Um, the galaxy is is uh, totally different. Um, or maybe we even go back to, you know, I hate to say it, 
because I don't really want to go back to the OT all the time, but maybe we go back to the OT and do some new characters or, or bring some EU legends to life, or maybe they can do some Thrawn stuff. Could you imagine? I mean, the potential is limitless. There are so many things that these dudes can do, and my God, with a with a big budget backing them, with big studios, their work could literally change Star Wars forever. And I'm not making, I'm not like trying to make a big stink of this. I'm not trying to like blow it out of proportion or be like, you know, too big for my britches. But let me know what you think. You guys are the bomb bizzle. Keep getting those chicken dinners. Love you. Take care. <clears throat> Man, that dude is excited about old. Ben off and Weiss. I think so. rightfully so. I do too. Like, as I said last week, like, about 70 to 80% of Game of Thrones I really like. That other 20% is stuff I'm just not a fan of. I love Game of Thrones, but I'm not in love with Game of Thrones. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, um, From basically playing on his point. Um, I think Star Wars is a land for storytellers. The better the storyteller, the better the Star Wars experience. So I feel like these guys have proven themselves as good storytellers. Mm -hmm. So I'm just, I'm willing to, you know, tell me your story. Tell me me your Star Wars story. I would love to hear it. Mr. Good Storyteller. From a technical standpoint, I have no reservations about these guys. Like, they clearly know how to make entertainment on an epic scale there's no doubt about that right and they do it pretty damn well um and something i think that they could bring to star wars that's yet another one of what i think is sort of the strengths of game of thrones is their complexity of storytelling right i think they could sort of give us because a lot of times game of thrones is a slow burn and the concept of character journeys yeah, you know, and these and characters like, take epic journeys in their progression, and like what they're exposed to, what they have to deal with. Yeah, and and you know, I still don't think, I don't, I don't think they were given the job to make R-rated Star Wars. No, I think they were given the job to make adult Star Wars or more adult Star Wars, but I still think at its core, it's, they're going to want to produce something that is equally entertaining to us as it is 12-year-olds. I think you maybe know? complexity-driven Star Wars, right. but I don't think adult Star no. Wars is the right way to for it. And Star Wars can and has done a lot with a PG-13 rating, you know? The fact that Game of Thrones has such extreme adult elements does not mean that the world of Mm-mm. Star Wars is going to get that just because it gets these people. Mm-mm. No. And, and, like, you know, people are like... You Those always are, hear people when, when they're like, when, when they're talking about this whole R-rated thing, an example they always give is Deadpool, right? Deadpool is the exception to the rule in every way. Well, and Logan. Logan did really well, too. That was Logan did well, but, that's... but this is the thing. Neither one of those movies were made on the kind of budget you have to use for a Star Wars movie. That's true. That's Because like, if you look at Deadpool and Logan, they weren't billion-dollar movies. Deadpool is goofy. And he's it's breaking the fourth wall. Right. Like, he's great for what he is, but that is not Star Wars. But what I'm saying is they like to use that as an example of, well, you know, comic book movies are huge. 
They made two R-rated comic book movies, and look how good they did. The comedy is also what helps you deal with the gore. Okay, you don't want mm-hmm. you don't want that in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to see someone's head cut partially off. You know, or you don't want to see maiming of that nature. You've seen a lot already. I mean, you've seen dude get his arm chopped off. You can do get an arm and a couple legs chopped off. Like they implied the murder of kids. Yeah, you know, there's you can do a lot with a PG thirteen rating in right. Star Wars. You don't have to go uber violent, hypersexual. Like, nah, that's just not. It's not gonna. Like, there's people out there that are like, it's time for an R rated Star Wars movie. I mean, and I guarantee you, not all of them. There'd definitely be some edge lords that are like, finally, if they got it. But then there would be a large portion of those people that'd be like, "This doesn't feel right." I guarantee there are people that want to see Black Hawk Down Star Wars. You know, that's to be fair, that's ki- that's kind of what they pitched Rogue One as to the fans before it came out. It was kind of like Saving Private Ryan Star Wars. Yeah, and I think that's a good example. Like, even if they give it that kind of comparison, Rogue One is about as far as they're going to take it. I agree. You know, like it's everybody it's, died. Yeah. Spoiler alert! Sorry if you haven't seen Rogue One. I mean, <laughs> just I saying. don't think this is the place I'm where people saying. we need to worry about people not having seen a two-year-old mo- or well, not even two years, a little over a year old movie now. <clears throat> I'm just saying, you know, I'm interested in seeing what they're going to do. I want to hear more about what they're going to do. It's going to be a while before storyteller, tell me your story. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, I mean, there's just certain things that interest me more in Star Wars than other things. It's the same way I feel about Ryan Johnson. Hmm? I mean, it's just... Ryan Johnson, I'm excited for. You're an incredible storyteller. I've seen what he can do with Star Wars, and I really like it. So, I'm super hyped on his trilogy, you know? You told me you do Steven Spielberg Star Wars? I'm there. These guys, A, they haven't done a big budget movie. I think, technically, they can handle it from a technical standpoint. Right. But B, they're untested in the Star Wars universe. Let me get this first movie by them under my belt. Get a first look at that. If I dig that, then fuck yeah, give me the series. You know, like continue the series. Yeah. But until I see, like, at the end of the day, Game of Thrones and Star Wars are so vastly different. You know? Yeah. And then, then that gives me a little pause, but I think it could be cool. Pause, Captain. And I am interested to see what they do. All right. <clears throat> Next up is our buddy Peter. Good afternoon, gentlemen. After writing my previous email and then literally hearing we are probably getting a Super Bowl teaser released the next day, I've got some thoughts on what I'd like to see in the Ranger Solo trailer. For some reason, I don't want the trailer to have a smooth feel to it. I want it to be herky-jerky and feel chaotic. Isn't that pretty much how Solo's life was lived? In a constant state of chaos, always close to complete disaster? Even in The Force Awakens, he's running odd jobs for rich kings with Chewie in tow that could get them killed. This is what I'd like to see. Quick action shots, one Chewbacca roar, and at the end, I want it to fade to a black screen and someone yell, Solo, like they want him dead because, let's be honest, everybody wants him dead. Then I want to hear that unmistakable sound of the Falcon's engine starting up and Alden Ehrenreich saying, Punch it, Chewie. Then come back from the black screen to see the engines of the Millennium Falcon flare up and then shoot into light speed. But that's what I'm looking for, and maybe that might be a little fan servicey, but I don't care. 
Plus, I don't cut trailers, so I'm not sure if that would even work. But it played out pretty nicely in my head, so what the hell. <clears throat> in terms of who would be a good actor to play Thrawn, why not have him played by Lars Mikkelsen? He plays a great villain, and after seeing him play a genius mastermind in Sherlock, I'm convinced he'd be a perfect choice for the tactical genius, not to mention his voice is perfect for it. Icy and calm. Love the show, guys. Peter. Buddy, am I not mistaken that Lars Mikkelsen is who does Thrawn's voice in Rebels? I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't know. Is Maybe he's just saying, why not get the same guy? I'm pretty sure that's who does his voice in Rebels. Is he saying, like, am I being dense? And he's just saying, why not get the guy that does his voice? Um, I think the guy that Lucius Malfoy played Lucius Malfoy. He's the he's Grand Star Inquis- Trek, I think. Well, he is, and he was also the Grand Inquisitor oh. in Rebels. I think he would make a good, a good throne. Did you see that? Did you hear that, good listeners? Snap. <laughs> Will tried to veer off into Star Trek, and I was like. <laughs> So let's let's take a look here at what. So he wrote this well before we got the trailer, and we just got to the email. So let's see, herky jerky feel and feel chaotic. I got a little bit of that from it. Little, yeah, a lot of being chased, young and restless, mm-hmm. reckless. I mean, young and reckless. We definitely got more than one Chewbacca roar. We definitely got got a little more than we he was saying he wanted to see, but some of it lines up. You know, we got some cool. Uh, Millennium Falcon shit, some chaotic, like looking like he's gambling shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some chaotic flying. Okay, some we got some racing shots. We sure did. We sure did. Street race. Okay. <clears throat> so next up, we're gonna have a voicemail from our buddy Neil. Um. Oh, maybe this isn't a voicemail. No, it's a picture. All right. This is from Neil. Hey, Halls and Well. It's been a while since I wrote in, but I wanted to give my thoughts and some extra tidbits that I found out about the Solo trailer. After watching it and doing some research, I can definitely see the inspiration of his speeder coming from the Ford Falcon, as you mentioned, on Rogue One. I attached a picture to the email for comparison. Some other cool info from the Brez's article at EW is that the train is called the Conveyx. Mm-hmm. And if you watch the trailer closely, you can see cables attached to the roof of the car that Beckett and the Big Bad are fighting on. Later, you see a ship with the same cables attached, pulling what looks like part of the train over the mountain range. So I think this is definitely fits with the theory of the center fork section of the Falcon will be used to haul that. Oh, maybe that's where that fill in on the center. That's something they take off the train and clip into the... I didn't even think about that. Uh... Lastly, the name of two important characters are the big bad, according to the Lego set, is Moloch, pronounced Moloch. Okay, good to know. And Paul Bettany's character is Dryden, well, he says Voss Dryden here. It came out in the EW article that that character's name is Dryden Voss, which in my opinion definitely sounds like a gangster boss sort of name, so I agree that he may be the one hiring the crew. Anyways, thanks again for all the great work and what you guys do week in and week out. Neil from Chicago. It's good to hear from you again, buddy. Um, Moloch. Is it, was that a... Is Moloch an enemy in, or a bad guy in one of the Indiana Fantastic Jones? Four? Maybe. Those are the Morlocks. Morlocks. Those are the guys that live in the sewers. Okay. They're also in the... Right? 
I guess. Right? Moloch sounds like a Marvel villain name. Dormammu and Moloch. <laughs> Dormammu and Moloch. Well, he did. He dropped some uh, sweet info on us there. I did not know Moloch, so that's cool. All right. Steve D, our boy. The voice of a generation. He's called in with a voicemail, so let's check this out. How are you, Steve D here? Hey, uh, quick observation. I know a lot of people have been talking about the, uh, the Han Solo trailer, teaser, whatever they want to call it. Um, specifically regarding how the how the Falcon looks. It looks pristine. It looks showroom, bro. <laughs> okay, so clearly the thing gets completely trashed over the, I don't know, we don't know exactly when in time the Falcon looks that good. We know that the movie takes place between Han Solo's age of 18 and 24. Han Solo was 29 in A New Hope. So you backtrack, it could be like 11 to 7 or 11 to 6 years. My math might be trash, don't worry. Um, so, you know what I think that is? I think the Falcon, the interior of the Falcon looks so crappy. And all that dirt and grime, that's spice residue. Spice residue from all that smuggling. Maybe they have some serious benders in there. <laughs> and I say that because all that spice residue, I think young Ben Solo might have licked the walls of that ship or something. It's like and got him all screwed up. It's like the Star Wars version of kids eating lead paint. You can't <laughs> lick the wall. Spice residue on them. You get messed up. Let me know what you guys think. Discuss. Oh my. <laughs> how funny would that be if that is how Ben Solo turned? It's basically the Star Wars equivalent of smoking banana peels. Oh, gross. <laughs> Did you ever have someone try to convince you into smoking a banana peel? I or is heard that the like concept a- of it once and I was like, there's no way that's... I'm pretty sure you use those as fertilizer. <coughs> That's one of those things where I'm like, is that an urban legend? Did people ever really smoke banana peels? What was it? Oh, well. Never mind. <laughs> Uh-oh. It was about to get disgusting. Oh, never mind then. Oh, uh, I know what you're talking about. The jar? Oh, yeah. Yeah. How did you know? I, I, How did you know it's that? It's because you're sitting across from me for once. Our fucking, transmission of thought. How did you know would, that, Hoss? People would peep and poop in a fucking jar. Jankum. Jankum. That's, that's got to be fake. That's fake as fuck. That is that is something an internet troll made up to try and get people to sniff I mean, their own again, peep Again, the internet's a horrible place. It can be. It can be. Sometimes it's beautiful. Sometimes it's Okay. Sometimes it's the fucking armpit. It's the dirty butthole of society. It's a true measure of the mirror of humanity. The internet is a mirror. And sometimes we get to see some really ugly parts of humanity. That is true. Sometimes we get to see some really beautiful parts. But Jankum, that's got that shit's gotta be that's fucking fake. fake. That's fake. If it's not fake, how do you How do you discover that if that's not fake? Someone has an awful idea. Like you said, someone's trying to get someone to do it. It's a dare. No, I'm saying if it's not fake, how was that first discovered? Oh. 
like I understand someone like how cleaning some, an outhouse. Or... I understand how like weed was discovered. Like some cavemen were burning something around a fire, and this one plant they threw on the fire. They were like, "Hey, that rules." For some reason, what we just did rules. Let's do that again. Yeah, like I think a Same lot thing of with things tobacco. were burned as an incense. You know what I'm saying? First. Same thing as tobacco. Like, but Jankum, how did that get figured out? How was the process the process of that? Fermented, Beep and poop. I don't know. We Beep can stop poop. talking about it. Hey man. Fermented berries and, and fruits make delicious spirits. Yeah, but those aren't dingleberries. See, and you took it back there again. Alright. I was trying to move it away. <laughs> Next up we got William our buddy William. I recently watched The Phantom Menace, and during one of the scenes I began to ponder a question that I can't seem to formulate a theory on. The scene was when young Anakin goes before the Jedi Council to include the one and only Kia D. Mundi, and Yoda tells him that he can see through him and that his feelings of fear will lead to the dark side. We then see Anakin react to his feelings in the next film. We know that the loss of his mother and the potential loss of Padme helped steer him to the dark side. Now, after watching The Last Jedi, I'm still wondering how Ben Solo may have chose this path. We know that Snoke had the ability to influence him, but I'm curious as to how he may have fell so hard to this path. <clears throat> also, didn't didn't help to wake up to see your uncle standing over you with an ignited saber. One could argue that Anakin was almost reluctant, but did so out of fear of losing the ones he loved. What were Ben's reasons, and why did he shift so dramatically? Any thoughts or theories on this? P.S. I just had disc replacement surgery in my neck. Wow, that was pretty insane. You guys kept me laughing and wondering why I was in the hospital. Uh, anyway, you guys rule the podcast world and may the force be with you. Buddy, I hope your neck's doing Yeah, man. I've I never hope had you're a doing well surgery. and I hope you're healing well. But I've had some back disc surgeries before and that shit sucks. I'm glad that we could at least help sucks. you kill a little bit of time. Yeah, buddy. Um, <clears throat> thoughts and prayers. Um... So, I kind of feel like the fall to the dark side in Star Wars always comes down to some qu- sort of quest for power. Desire for power. Do you want me to tell you a personal theory Shit. developed oh, yeah. by The Last Jedi? Yeah, let me sit back. So, Hit the me. concept of the Prime Jedi. A Jedi that is in perfect balance with the light side and the dark side. Okay? Um, I feel like... Most Jedi are most powerful before their fall to the dark side. Does that make sense? Maybe when they're flirting with the dark side. Anakin was incredibly powerful when For he sure. was flirting with I mean, the dark side. Powerful afterwards. Um, and I, you know, I don't. Something about that being in harmony with the the dark side of the Force as well. I think is the most powerful. Yeah, I could see that. Um, but yeah, what I was going to say is it, it always seems to come down to some sort of selfish desire for power. That's the complete fall to the dark side. Right. Like Anakin was completely selfish. Like, But not that it wasn't understandable, you know? Like he didn't want to lose Padme like he lost his mom. So he wanted the power to keep that from happening. I have a feeling this it's the same thing with Kylo. There were some aspect of power that he desired that Snoke thought he could or told him that only the dark side could provide or that could get him there faster than if he followed maybe 
it could even come down to sort of a thing like Anakin and Obi-Wan where Kylo didn't think Luke was training him correctly or giving him the respect he deserved, you know? I think the temptation and seduction of it and the nature of the dark side is inevitable. The reason doesn't matter why or how right. he was tempted. He was going to be tempted inevitably by the corruption we'll that find out, seeks though. his soul because he's powerful. I think we'll find out, though. Yeah. I think it's an inevitability that we find out how exactly. How seduction happened, yeah. of course. And I think it was. it's probably going to turn out to be, in some ways, similar to Palpatine's slow play of Anakin, I think Snoke has probably was probably fucking with Kylo for a while. Built a foundation. Yeah, of mistrust. Because Luke says, like, when he went to check Read out, mind. like, he had already fallen to darkness. Yeah, it was Snoke much worse already, than he had thought. Right. Had already corrupted him fully. And he basically saw a vision of all the horrible shit Kylo was, was about to do. do. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. We'll see on that. Um, also wonder if it's, you know, this connection in this infatuation with Vader that Kylo has, at least in episode seven. It's definitely a motivating factor, quite obviously. Right. Him wanting to fulfill what he considers his bloodline destiny. When you, speaking of bloodline, when you take into effect that book bloodline where you find out they didn't tell him that Vader was his grandfather, he basically found out when the rest of the universe found out, when it was sort of used against Leia and the yeah. Senate. That could also play a role, you know? There's a lot of little pieces that we've gotten that sort of start to paint the picture, and I imagine, if not in Episode Nine, then after Episode Nine, when we start hearing more about Kylo's training and, and Ben Solo before becoming Kylo, we'll figure more parts of that story out. It's sad that anyone can use that against Leia for everything she did for the Rebellion, quite obviously. That is such a good book, but the way... Not the author, but the way that in-universe characters treat Leia. Like, just want to smack all those motherfuckers. It's such a bummer. Like, these people are being such dickheads. Damn. It's a really good book, though. All right, next up, we got our buddy Nick. This I think this might be the first time this guy's written in. Hey, dudes, love the show. I've been wondering where things might go in Episode Nine, and have a little theory on how Finn's arc is going to shake out and what might happen in the galaxy as a whole. We see in The Force Awakens that Finn is a stormtrooper who wakes up, in a sense, to do what's right and what's moral. In The Last Jedi, he becomes a hero for the Resistance in a more selfless way. Now in 9, they need an ending that doesn't just repeat Return of the Jedi. We've seen the Rebellion just blow up the Empire, stormtroopers and all. What if Finn, instead of just killing all the bad guys, instead leads a real rebellion, a sort of inspirational rebellion, and inspires the stormtroopers to wake up just like he did. They take their masks off, realize they're fighting for the wrong side, and take up arms against the First Order. You see this in real-world situations where rebellions are able to turn the police force or the army against the leaders. Seems like a proper proper resolution to the story and Finn's role in it. What do you think? I could see maybe something like that happen. Like, if... I don't know that that'll be sort of towards the end, but I could see if, like, there is a time jump in nine, right? And they say, well, some of the people in the rebellion are were inspired by Finn, and they joined. They left the First Order and joined, you know? Um, I could see something like that happen. I'm surprised they haven't... People were inspired by the return of Luke Skywalker. 
mm-hmm. and the new the the birth of the new rebellion. Right. And well, you know, it would stand to reason that at some point the stories of this fucking stormtrooper that left the first order, this guy that betrayed the first order, um fucking help bring down star killer base and the supremacy and you know all would start getting out and they'd be like fuck what's this all about and then like maybe raise questions in them also what if kylo makes the first order even more brutal and evil than they were in the first two movies and what if that causes other people to defect that could be an option as well you know maybe kylo takes takes the first order in a direction that a lot of people in it are like, this dude's a fucking psycho. We got to get out. All right. Let's do one more email. And then we'll call it a night. And next, guys, we should be... Next week, guys, we should be able to get all caught up. I've been trying to go here in order of what we've gotten and, and get our... Um... All right. So we got one from Michael. And the, the subject line of this email is, your first Dharma complaints, maybe. Uh oh. So, uh oh, Dharma. Somebody's about to start talking some shit. Let's see what's happening. <clears throat> oh, man. Picture this I'm in the deep, snowy woods of Massachusetts on a solid 8 to 10 mile run. I've got my wireless headphones in, iPhone in my tight as a bitch running tights. Not judging, got to keep them nuts from frostbite. And listening to my favorite Star Wars podcast, Blue Harvest Baby. Woo. The footing is sloppy, and I'm climbing in fresh snow. No damn-ass tracks to be seen. Besides the sweet whispers of Halls, Will, and Jason, there is no noise besides my labored breathing. To be honest, it's pretty scary. But I rarely see animals, sometimes deer, maybe a bear in the distance once or twice a year. But today, my damn-ass heart stopped. I'm working hard, and all of a sudden, loud-ass barks. Oh man, I stop, cl- I stop cold, look in each direction, and pee a little in my pants. <laughs> Again, more barking, but now I'm fucking uh. freaking out. Then I realized it's Dharma in my headphones. Motherfucker, that was funny. I continued my run and laughed as I listened to some more dope Star Wars knowledge. Thank you, Dharma, for that pants shitting. Keep up the great (laughs) job, fellas. That's a great story. Mike G, quote unquote, not the same guy who hooked Johnny up. Dharma. You made a little pee come out of this guy. Did you hear that, Dharma? Oh, Dharma. What did you do? She's not even coming. Or is she at our feet? Oh, no, that's Luna. That's Luna. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, obviously, Michael, I don't necessarily go on 8 to 10 mile runs myself. But every now and then, okay, I'll either be at the house alone while Jesse's at work in the afternoon, or I'll be <laughs> up late playing video games. Yeah. And I'm talking, and I don't do it as much as I used to, but... Every now and then, I'll do a, like, up till the crack of dawn playing. So, you got that real, like, weird, ooh, I should sleep, but I'm staying up. Maybe <laughs> You're I've catching had, your second wind. Maybe You're I've... Just a little psychotic. Maybe I've had a couple of energy drinks, you know, pineapple Red Bull or a monster or something. And I am... And I typically play with headphones on, like, surround sound headphones. So, I can listen sort of loud, but not keep Jesse up, right? And then every now and then... Dharma will scare the shit out of me <laughs> because I'll I'll told I'll be sucked into the game. I'll forget I even have a damn dog. I'll think she's in the room with uh, Jesse and something will set her off and she'll start. Bo- I've screamed. I'm talking. 
full on screen. Window so. shattering. Fine china cracking screams. See, if I was Mike and I was on a hike or a run in the snowy woods and I heard a dog bark and I thought it was like a wolf, <laughs> I'd I think be excited. it's instinctual. I think. Nah, man. He, the level he was hearing it, the authenticity that it was an actual right. dog losing their shit. That's and he's out in nature in an exposed place. It's instinctual. It set off his fight or flight, and it he was ready to shit himself or fight it out. It was, well, you know what it could have been? It could have been that kid Josh's mom because she was a goddamn werewolf. Oh yeah, it could have been. <laughs> it's close to midnight. Something evil lurking in the dark. All right. So next week, guys, we have our good buddy Eric Strothers coming up. Our buddy Fernando. Buddy Mike, Frazier, Josiah, Jonathan. But guys, we've got some emails to get through. Keep them coming, though. We love hearing from you. We got through a chunk today. Buddy, thanks for coming into town. It was nice to do one face-to-face. It was nice to do one face-to-face. Your manly-ass face with your manly hair and beard. Two manly men just staring at each Mm. other, talking about... Two long-haired beardos standing at each other. Space toys and werewolves and warlocks. Um... Guys, if you like our theme song, please be sure to check out the band that was kind enough to provide the music. They are Stoned Stoned Cobra, Cobra. and you can find them on iTunes, Spotify, or at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com. If you have a second and you have an iTunes account, leave us a sweet review. That would be awesome. We'd really appreciate it. And uh, Helps other people that like Star Wars podcasts find us. It does. It does. We can just grow the blue harvest moisture farmer family if you like what you heard tell us if you don't that's fine keep it to yourself and we got a pretty sweet guest lined up for next week as long as all the scheduling stuff works out be in for a good ass time so look forward to that well anyways guys we'll talk to you then this has been blue harvest i'm halls burkhart and i'm will witten may the force be with you may the force be with all of you may the force be with us